0: This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. on Wednesday night and uh, for those that are with us on Wednesday night, I'm just going to confess that this text got a hold of me even as I was teaching it uh, Wednesday night and so I want to share an aspect of what we looked at a couple of weeks ago. So for those that are part of our Wednesday night, we looked at some of these verses a few weeks ago and I want us to look at Romans chapter 1. We... We sing, uh, sometimes my mind gets kind of busy before I'm ready to preach. And so I try to remind myself that everything that we sing, there's a reason why we sing it. Uh, The words that we say and uh, the the, the melody and all of that fits into a message. And so we sing about, uh, tell me the story of Jesus. And as we sing the words to that, sweetest that ever was heard. And I think we have to ask ourselves, do we really, do we believe that? Do we believe, as we think about Easter, uh, I'm going to send out some emails this week. And so if you're not signed up through the church, uh, if you need to go to the church website and and sign up for the newsletter, it puts your email address uh, in the system and that way we can go in and send out mass emails and that type of stuff. I'm going to send you some emails this week and and talking about the, the Passion Week. And what Christ did in the life and these hours and day by day what he, what he went through as he journeyed to the cross. When we think about the, the message of Jesus Christ for a believer. It is the sweetest message that has ever been heard. And sometimes I think we need to remember to receive that, but also it gives us something that we can share. That if we truly know what Christ has done for us, what a what a great message that we can share with others. A little funny story about that song. This is just stuff that you need to know about your pastor. Uh, I was in the male corral at Florida Baptist College, and so that was one of these groups that you wore a tuxedo and you sang and sounded real pretty. And uh, why I was in it, I do not have a clue. And so my first semester in there, I was kind of the preacher boy. I would come out and give a little message at the end of the concert. But there was 30 or so of us, and so we were at, I think we were in Orlando. It was some type of convention center setting. It was not in a local church. And so there's 30 of us in our tuxedos, and it's the Florida Baptist Convention, and we're the the state college of the Florida Baptist College. And so our core director comes out and says, okay, they want us to sing the school hymn. And I went, and that is? And he said, I'm, I'm front row, front row baritone, okay? You do not know the school hymn, I do not know the school hymn. So every time I sing that song, I can picture Dr. Odom with his mouth as large as he can be mouthing the words as we go through the song. To make that funny, I got through at watermeling it through the song. Uh, they had like the 100-year anniversary of the Florida Baptist Convention and one of the gentlemen that I was in the corral with went to it. I was unable to make it. And lo and behold, they had video clips of the, of the history of the Florida Baptist Convention. And they had a video clip of the Florida Baptist College, our state college. And they had a big picture of the male corral. And there I was, singing the school hymn. And I was singing like Millie Vanilli. I did not have a clue what I was singing. Uh, I don't want us to be like me. Millie Vanilli got, you don't know, Google that. Uh, I don't want us to be like me and saying words that I don't really know what they are. When we think about the gospel, I want us to understand what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and to be able to embrace that and to share that with others. So look at Romans chapter 1, just one quick verse. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. Paul is writing this letter. Rome is a strategic place that he has never been to, but he is excited about going there. Um, as he was writing this letter on his third missionary journey, he can foresee that he is going to be uh, arrested. He can see the end of the road for him being arrested and as he is arrested and, and, and heads to Jerusalem because he is a Roman citizen. he asks to go to Rome. He wants to go to Rome uh, and I always when I think about Paul wanting to go to Rome so bad. Uh, I see the heart of a man that wants to share the love of Christ and the gospel. Rome would have been the, the Gentile headquarters of the Roman empire what a What better place to go and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people that are there. Paul had not been there. The, Paul did not start the church there. So historians tell us that probably what happened, it could have happened when Pentecost came in Acts 2, that when the believers came and got saved and full of the Holy Spirit and converted, they, might, they went back to where they were from. Some of those could have gone to Rome. It could have been in the missionary journeys that people came to know Christ. And as they went home, they began to establish churches and home churches in the city of Rome. But Paul had never been there. But notice these words, to all of those in Rome who are, now notice this, loved by God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning, this evening. We thank you, Lord God, that we can know you, that we can understand who you are. We can understand our need for our relationship with you. We can realize that you did die on a cross for sin. And that we can repent of our sin and acknowledge that and receive you as our Savior and our Lord. And to know that as we enter into that relationship, there are precious gifts that you have given us. That we do have abundant life. And that with this new life, we have such a song to sing. Such a story to tell, a story to tell about Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you for the precious gift of your word this evening. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, there's three things that uh, we we can see, that we can understand that we have in our relationship with Christ. We're loved by God, we're called to be saints, and we are recipients of, of grace and peace. But notice that there is a, an audience. And I love this. Sometimes as we read scripture, we kind of go through kind of quickly. And I think sometimes we just need to slow down. Notice that the letter is written to a group of people. Believers. To all of those in Rome. Well, who are those? I mean, those are people. Uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a person, there needs to be a point And a time that we individually repent of our sin and we place our faith in Christ. It is a decision that an individual must make. That is what separates religion from Christianity. That it is we don't belong to the Baptist church and we are saved. We don't belong to a church and say that we're not born into a family and are saved. There's a point in a time that we hear the voice of God and the conviction of the Spirit upon our life. And we by faith... Enter into a relationship with Christ. We ask the Lord to forgive us of our sin. And at that moment that we are saved. Now think about how exciting that is. You know, in a Baptist church, we talk about walking an aisle and get saved. And even though uh, the the, the language can get kind of fuzzy, what we're really doing. But you're not getting saved coming down the aisle. You're not getting saved when, uh, you know. But there's, there's a point in a time that, you know, I always tell people, I need to go forward to get saved. No, if you're coming forward to get saved, you got saved the moment you realize you need to come forward to get saved. I mean, there's a point in a time that every individual must enter into that relationship with Christ. Uh, You know, uh, thank you for praying for my dad. Uh, You know, I've shared this so many times today. I I was trying to think back. I, I think it's been, if at all, over 20 years since my father heard me preach. Now, that's not a big deal, but just think about it. Your son's a preacher, and he comes to town, and he's preaching at the local church where your in-laws are from over a 20-year period. You would think just out of every now and then you'd get in the car and drive three or four miles and hear your son preach in fellowship. 20-plus years, that has never happened. And so for those that know, I went up to, to, um, to Georgia a few weeks ago. My dad was in a tough spot going through a lot of different things. It was real bad and real physically and, you know, kind of a near-death type thing. And so through that, God began to soften his heart. And I remember when I was leaving, I remember thinking, I've, I've heard him say things I've never heard him say before. He was bearing a lot of guilt and, and just having a lot of struggles. And so when, uh, when he pulled up in that parking lot Sunday, I thought I was going to start shouting. Of course, Sharon's church wouldn't appreciated that as much. Uh, and so some of you, I even text. I, I, I was sitting there in the parking lot saying he's here, wanting to know if he was coming. And so I said, well, we start at 1045. I knew I mentioned to Kim on Wednesday night, and we prayed praying my dad to get there. So when, he, when I saw the car pull up, I hit send. And I told Matt, I said, if you're preaching, everybody looks down at their phone, I've sent the text. And so uh, to, to start praying, glorious day. You know, there's nothing that I could do about it. There's nothing my, my sister who's a new Christian could do about it. There's nothing my brother who's a pastor could do about it. There's nothing anybody can do about it. We can't just take somebody and shake them and fill them with the Holy Spirit. or It is something that that individual must do. And so it's rejoiced that he, when, when you see it done. And so there's this aspect of our salvation. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with the Lord, but there's, there's something that individuals must do. Individually, we stand before Christ, and we, we give an, an account for our life and the way that we've lived our life individually. But those is more than just one. Those is others. And so as we think about living this Christian life out and what God has blessed us with, because that's the case, we do have a story to tell, but it's not an individual story. And we're being very intentional Wednesday. Joy has got this thing going. She is, for those that do not know Joy, she loves puzzles and she loves games and she loves doing fun stuff that most people get embarrassed doing, but that's Joy. So guess what we're going to do Wednesday? We're going to do games and we're going to do relay races and we're going to have the deacon and this person and that person and Miss Miss Cox is going to be on the 90-year-old relay race. And we're just going to have fun. Why? Because we're a family. And we're, we're, It's more than an individual. It, it's okay for just getting together as a group of people and knowing that there's a those. And so we need to understand that as a Christian, we are not doing life alone. We don't do anything alone. One of the things, if you continue reading, and I know I don't have time because I have a watch up here. If you go on reading, and for those on Wednesday night, Paul talks about, longing to come so that he can pour his life into them and receive a blessing as he does so. You know, one of the great joys about being a believer and know that we belong to somebody, just think about this, what if, what if ten of you weren't here even tonight or even part of this church? What a, what a void that would be. You know, think of it from a practical standpoint. What if, if ten random people in the choir just were not there this morning? And it's, you know, would it sound the same? Now that's a practical example. Would it sound the same? You know we uh, we put together a, an unofficial softball team. It was an official softball team, but it wasn't like a church sanctioned team. But we we played under the, the heading of uh, of the church. Uh, there was a couple of nights we didn't have enough ball players. Okay, what happens when you're missing an outfielder playing men's church league uh, not, men's big boy softball? There's a void. And I told Carrie, hell will freeze over before I'm going to the outfield with gimpy out there trying to run around, catch a softball. Uh, I said, so we're just going to be through. It's, it's, it's always a void when those aren't there. Part of the joy of the church is we are part of something beyond ourselves individually. And that's what makes the church so wonderful. And so even writing the letter to to a group of people, they didn't have a church. I think if you would look at it, just study it, they would have probably been meeting in house churches or just corners of this and corner of that. There wasn't one big Jerusalem, Southern Baptist Church or Rome, First Baptist Church of Rome. But they would have been meeting all over the city. But Paul looked at them as those and so we have to understand that as a Christian, first and foremost, individually, we have made a decision for Christ. But also that we do life together. We, we grow together. We serve together. We, we laugh together. We, we pray together. We, we hurt together. We have joy together. We're, we understand that we're in this together. Could you imagine how difficult it was being a Christian in Rome? And all that they face, because some of us, we're we, we are whiners. Did y'all know that? I've often said, could you imagine Paul coming in here and telling us when we've had a bad, you know, we come in, what a bad day. You know, I preached my heart out and somebody said that I preached too long and they didn't like it. Could you imagine what Paul would tell me? He'd say, toughen up, buttercup. I was beaten and flogged and half dead for preaching the gospel. You've got it made. We really do. Have it made. We think we have it bad. We don't have it bad. We're a blessed people. The people in Rome, they got it. They knew they could not survive by themselves. They knew they needed to come together and do life together. They knew that if they didn't come together under the same purpose and same mission and same prerogative, that they would never reach Rome with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They knew that Christian life was more than just them that it involved others. And even from a a standpoint of a church, you know how difficult it is to remember that? We get a certain season of our life, and we kind of get in this season, and we forget, but we were once in that season. And we're in this season of life, and we forget that there are some that have gone into a season that have much to share with us. And it's just this idea that we understand that we literally we do everything we do together for us, but more than for us, we do it for the future. And you know that every church that we have closed I heard this statistic this week at a conference was that the number of, of churches across the country that closed every day. there's new churches being started, but there are churches closing every day. That church didn't have that issue that day when it closed. When do you think the issue started? Something happened down the road. And I think people lost their focus. People lost their their vision. People forgot that they are in this thing together. And they're in this for the main reason of living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. So those are the, the, the letter was written to those. Do you know that you are those? Notice what these people understood. Notice what we need to understand ourselves. One, we are loved by god now that's easy to say god loves you how many times is that god loves you we are loved by god if you look at god's love there's a there's a general love you know and so you could say well god loves the whole world and there's a sense that he does love the whole world he allows the whole world to experience nature and rain and sun and Children and grandchildren and puppy dogs and all the flowers and butter pecan ice cream and fried chicken. I mean, God, God allows all people to enjoy friendship. You ever, I, I know lost people that have great friendships. You know, I know people that don't know Christ but enjoy life. There's, there's this love that God has on the world that he has created. And I think sometimes we take that for granted. But there's also a love that he has for those... That are His. You know, one of the things I think my dad struggled with was the love of God. That if you are are, are repentant and you are sorry and there's a desire in your heart to live for the Lord and be accepted by God as one of His, He will love you and He will forgive you because we know that God is love. Think about Romans for a moment as we are in Romans. Turn, if you will, to Romans 5 8. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us. Now, I've said this often. It's probably not the sweetest thing to say. I shared this when I was living in the 80s and not walking with Christ. If I'd have been God, I'd have took me out a long time ago. You know, there are times i said this wasn't very nice. I'd, I'd say, well, if I was God, I'd have, I'd have given that person leprosy or something. You know, people just, ah, you know. If I was God, we wouldn't have all the things that we have going on wrong in the world either, by the way. But aren't y'all glad I'm not God? Would this not be a messed up place if I was God making those decisions? But God, I love this. But God shows, manifests. How does he manifest and reveal his love? When he sent Jesus Christ. He, he showed us this love while we, now we can never forget this, while we were still sinners. You know, think about that picture. I share it often. You've seen it. You know, we, we are literally at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Well, not even at the foot. When Christ is laying on his back on that cross and we've all seen the, you know, the, the, the passion of Christ. We've seen the picture. When they're nailing those nails in his feet and hand, that is us. We are doing that. Our sin has done that. Now, go back. When we say that, a lot of times we say our sin. No, John Beck's sin did that. Your sin did that. You drove the nails in his hands and feet. You deserved hell. Uh, You know, we all are born separated from God because of the sin of, of Adam and Eve. But God loved you and us so much, he sent his Son. But God shows his love for us, that, and while we were, we were there, we were living in sin, there, we were totally depraved, there was nothing in us, and there was one ounce of good in us, and Christ died for nothing. So many people say, well, I just don't like that, I, just, I don't think we're that bad, we're ta- terrible. Why did Christ die on the cross? If, if we weren't sinners, then he would have done another way. The penalty was paid fully in Christ. And it was paid fully for our full sins. But that is love. I mean, just think right now, that is how much God loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for your sin. Now, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You remember John 3, 16? For God so what? Love. Now, we look at the world, and we look at the planet, we look at the, the race, we look at the, God so loved the world that he gave. I heard, I I can't remember the preacher's name or the number of sermons, but I remember being in a preaching class and and, a professor mentioned a famous pastor and the number of times he'd preached John 3.16. And it was some crazy hundreds of times. And he said it's just every time he would preach John 3.16, there was something else he saw about what God did. He gave his son that whosoever would not perish. That is love. We need to understand, and Paul got it. And think about Paul; he is he is literally on the way to, to kill Christians. He is he he thinks his what's we need to understand. This. He thinks he's doing right in God's eyes. He's on a mission for God. He's a Jew. He's a Pharisee. He's religious. He thinks he's on a mission to do what God would have him to do. But guess who he meets on the road? Jesus Christ Himself. Guess what happened? He got born again. I always say borned. Sounds better. He got born again. Guess what happened? He changed. Guess what happened? He understood how much God loved him when he sent his son and revealed himself to him. Do we know how much God has loved us that while we were still sinners, he sent his son and that we repented of our sin and placed our faith in him? Have we forgotten how much God loves us? Back to Romans 1. Called to be saints. I love that word, saints, hagiasis, where we, we get the word set apart. We are set apart by God. We are The moment that we are saved, we are sanctified and we are set apart. As we live our Christian life, you might remember that word a few weeks ago, holiness and sanctification. As we live our life, we are set apart and declared righteous. And then we live a life of sanctification as we grow and change more into the likeness of Christ. And then we're eventually glorified. But we are set apart. Now, real quickly, think about this. For some reason... And I'm not saying we should or we shouldn't, but for some reason, boy, we, just, we, we can just gravitate to Israel, don't we? Well, Israel, don't mess with Israel. I'm not saying, I'm not making light of it, but don't mess with Israel. That's God's people. You believe that? Say amen. 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 Let me let you in on a little secret. Do you know what the new covenant says? You are God's people. Just as you think, read the Old Testament, just as God set apart the nation of Israel. Why Israel? I don't know. Why Abraham? I don't know. That's God. God's got a plan. Knew what he was doing. You think about your salvation. Why me? I don't know. If, it was, if I was God, I probably wouldn't have saved you. I and mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but just think about it. Why would I die? Oh, oh, you wouldn't have saved me, old oh, dead sinner? Why I? I don't know. Why Israel? I don't know. Why Abraham? I don't know. Why me? I don't know. But he did. And he set apart the nation of Israel and said, you're my special people. Follow me, love me, obey me. i protect you. I'll always be a remnant. You'll always be my people. And then we have the new covenant. We have Christ dying on the cross. The Spirit descends upon us. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. He ascends to the right hand of the Father. and He's now interceding for us. He says, you're my special people. You're set apart. There'll always be a remnant. I'll always love you, but you need to follow me. Just like the nation of Israel, if you follow me and love me and obey me, we're great. If you don't, because I love you, I'm going to keep you in line. Now, for some reason, I think about the nation of Israel, man, that's God's chosen people. The nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And then sometimes when it comes to me, I'm like, well, I'm just little old me. It's like I have zero self-esteem sometimes. I am a child of God and set apart for his kingdom and for his glory. D.A. Carson was kind of the, the the leading, moderating guy at this conference. I can't even explain what all I, six five to 6,000 people at this conference. And it was just preacher after preacher after preacher after preacher. And it was just phenomenal. And every time D.A. Carson would pray for the speaker, he, he always said something along these lines. He's different. And whoever spoke first, he's not this guy, but he's this guy. Use him. And I can remember sitting there, and when he, the first time he prayed that, isn't that true? I'm not this guy or this girl or that woman or this man. I'm me. And when God saved me, he gave me a, a ministry. He, he looked into my heart, and he created me, and he said, you know what, John? I'm setting you apart, and I want to use you as you. And I wrote, I've got a little journal I keep with. Journal. I don't journal. I write. I got a little book, I, little, little post-it note notes I put for myself. Be who I am as I cling to him. Because if I don't cling to him, I don't want to be me if I'm not clinging to him. I want to be who I am as I cling to him because I'm set apart. And whatever God says, so think about God. God sets you apart to do something. What is that something? I have no idea but it should be for his honor and for his glory and for his kingdom and that's pretty exciting to think about we are called to be saints we are special we are used we have a purpose look at corinthians chapter 12 real quickly corinthians first corinthians chapter 12 in that, now, here's something we need to understand, too. Somebody may say, well, I don't feel very used of God. Well, if we're not walking with the Lord, if you're not a clean vessel, if you're not a holy vessel, if you're not a set-apart-for-who-he-is vessel, He can't. He won't use you because you won't allow Him to use you. First Corinthians 12, you know this, talking about the, the, the gifts and what we have as believers there are a variety of gifts, verse Corinthians 12, 4. There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. So you picture there, there's a God ruling in heaven. We have sovereign God creator of the universe and Christ at the right hand mediating for us for the Father. We have the spirit within us. We have God all over this. And he has set us apart. He said there's one God, but different gifts. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them and everyone. To each one is given. Every one of us has received a gift that God wants to use for His glory. And I would also say our benefit I don't think it's wrong at all. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, but I know this. When I'm living for the Lord Jesus Christ, even I may be suffering and be persecuted, I am going to have the benefit of living an obedient life unto the Lord, and I will know that. I think that's in Philippians. It talks about having the, a spirit of thanksgiving and having the peace that surpasses all understanding because you know that you're living right with Him. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. What we're going to be held accountable for one day is we'll stand before the Lord and say, Lord, what did I do with what you gave me and asked me to do? Not, Lord, did I do what he did? You know, I could go in a conference like this and say, oh, I'm never going to be Tim Keller. I'm never going to be D.A. Carson. I'm never going to be John Piper. I'm never going to be this person. I'm never going to be that person. He hasn't called me to be these people. He's called me to be me. And he's giving me something to do for him, and he's gifted me to do so. I'm afraid there's going to be a lot of us, and so we're going to get to heaven one day as a church, and we say, well, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I had a good job. I had to get this, I, I raised my kids, and we did this, and we did this. And he's going to say, what does that have to do with the kingdom of God? Danny Aiken, the president of Southeastern Seminary, was talking about a missionary. And he said, the missionary in, in Uganda, this is current, there's a missionary in Uganda. He has a wife, two children, a Bible, and an ox. That's it. A wife, children, a Bible, and an ox. No home, no job, nothing but the clothes on his back. And he sent a letter to someone that got back to Dr. Aiken, who's been helped. Dr. Aiken and a group of men bought the guy his ox. And so here I am sitting there, can't wait to the next breakout session where I can go to the bookstore and get me more stuff this side of heaven and more things. And here's a guy in a refugee camp right now as a pastor of the gospel of Jesus Christ with a wife, children, and an ox. And I probably don't have the ox if he's in a refugee camp anymore. And is tickled to death that God has put him in a refugee camp. Now everybody's in the same spot and they can't go anywhere. Isn't that incredible? You know what I would be doing if I was in a refugee camp? I'd probably be crying for somebody to come get me out. He says, praise God, I'm in a refugee camp and I've been attacked. And now we're all in one compound. Nobody can run from me. I can preach the gospel. And I thought, Lord, help us to understand That's what life is all about. That pastor, if there's a line in heaven, if there's a pastor line in heaven, I am going to be so far behind that line, I'll never see that dude at the front. He's going to be at the front of the line of importance, significant. He's going to stand before Jesus with a picture of an ox and his Bible and his children. And he said, I did all you asked me to do with what you gave me. And so many of us and all of our stuff and doodads and things that we have and our careers and our families and our rewards and our... Fulfillment and all this. We're going to be so far in the back of the line. It's doing what God has asked us to do, with what He's giving us to do it. There's nothing wrong with having good things, but when good things become the best thing, we miss what God would have us for our life. Turn back to Romans 1. We'll close with this. He said, You are loved. He had never been there. You're loved by God. Paul said, I know you're loved by God. And you're called to be saints. As you read on, their their faith has been known throughout the world. You're set apart and you're known, you're, you're called to be saints. And notice what he says. Grace and peace from God our Father to the Lord Jesus Christ. He also understood that we are recipients of grace and peace. That grace is a great word. It's getting something we don't deserve. I mean, I, I think about it right here. I don't, I don't, I don't deserve standing in a, a beautiful pulpit, in a beautiful sanctuary with beautiful people on a beautiful day in Avon Park. I don't deserve this. Why am I not in a refugee camp with my ox and Sharon in and, you know, Uganda? You know, why, why is it? I don't, I don't know. That's, you know what that is? That's disgrace. Why am I not some meth head sitting somewhere on the street corner with needles stuck all in my arm, lost? That's grace. Why are you not sitting somewhere with a meth head? And, you know, why, are we, how, why are we here today? Why, why were we raised in the family that we were raised? Why were we born into the family that we were born into? Why do we have the parents that we have? Why do we have any? That's Grace. That God did something for us because he loves us. Receiving that which we did not deserve is grace. And he said you've also received peace. That peace is lack of conflict. It has to do with our relationship with God. But I think also is the body of Christ. In the, of, in, the, in the midst of all the turmoil. Think about this is what peace is. Peace is being in a situation that you might not want to be in. Okay? When things are going great, don't we do well with that? Don't we always do well with that? When things are going great, I'm a great person. But it's when things don't go great that the true us kind of comes out. Grace and peace and, and that peace is knowing that, you know what, things are not going the way I want to go, medically, emotionally, financially, whatever, but knowing that you are resting in the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing that he loves you, he'll never leave you nor forsake you, and he's going to see this through to the end, that is peace. They were in a very tough spot. They were in a tough area to be the church. But he said grace and peace from who? God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ think about that we're loved by god and we're set apart as saints and it's like god has extended his hands openly to us and he said here's grace and peace to the church let's stand as we pray lord we we thank you for the letter of first of romans chapter 1 we thank you that in a way that we cannot really even understand how much you love us. That you've saved us. and That you have set us apart. And you've called us to be saints. And you've given us grace and peace. And Lord, as we think about this week. As we think about this coming Sunday. As we think about your death, your burial and your resurrection. We pray, Lord, that we understand what a precious gift it is. It is the sweetest story that's ever been heard. Let us embrace it in our life tonight. Let us be reassured in what that means to us tonight. And let us live that message out. And, Lord, as we do sing a a closing hymn of invitation and response, as we sing about the cross, Lord, keep us near the cross. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.